Hi, and welcome to the Your Good News podcast with me, Catherine Getty. It's easy to believe the news around us that the world is dark and the future is the same. But what if we chose something different? What if we chose to find the good news in each day? This podcast is a collection of interviews with friends, mentors, colleagues on their good news. From business to health to politics and everything in between, it's my hope that you leave with a boost and find your good news. This episode feels really poignant in a time where we are often defined by our differences. Today's conversation offers a friendship that looks to find understanding, looks to find commonalities. Sierra Kelly Chung, today's guest, is an accomplished politico, both on the political and official side, which basically means she works for a congressional member, she worked on campaigns, and then also in an office once elected. And we met through work. We instantly found one similarity and let that friendship grow. We touch on her experience in D.C., her views on developing friendships in a polarized time, and some sage advice for life. Without further ado, my interview with Sierra Kelly Chong. Sierra, I couldn't be more excited. I know I said this before we got started. So as I always begin, Sierra, what's your good news? Catherine, I am so excited to be joined with you today on this happy Friday. Um, My good news actually starts off with something I think kind of like upsetting and sad, but ends good. So recently on Thanksgiving, um, literally the morning of Thanksgiving, I'm like packing up, like finishing up my cooking, like getting ready to go home, spend the entire day with my family. And as we are like packing up to leave the door, um, we get a call from my dad that he tested positive for COVID, which totally like not ruin Thanksgiving, but like totally like ambushed our day. And, you know, me and my mom had to kind of figure out, okay, so what are we going to do? And um, we ended up totally working it out. We kind of had like a uh, like backyard, like food swap sort of thing with like air hugs and masks and everything. And I got to like, talk to my dad, like, you know, from the window and stuff like that. So I ended up like still seeing family and like still kind of connecting with people in some way. But um, it was a total bummer. And I was also just like pretty worried about my mom and my little brother kind of being in the house with him while he was in quarantine. Um, but then I found out like a couple days later that they all tested negative for COVID. And so everybody is well and safe. And, you know, I think that in kind of like today's times, it's really the best news that you can ever get. So, um, so everybody is in good shape. And it really has been like a great kind of highlight of my week. So that's my good news today. I mean, I'm so glad that your family's doing well, that your dad's feeling sounds like he's feeling better. I mean, I think it's just like COVID is that thing that doesn't doesn't want to leave us. And um, it sounds like you're really able to be nimble. And I mean, I feel like sometimes I'm like, I don't want to be agile all the time and like think of contingency plans. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Thanksgiving food is like probably my favorite though. So like, what's your favorite? Do you have a favorite side, a favorite dish? So I feel like my favorite is actually everyone's least favorite. Well, maybe not everybody's least favorite, but I feel like a lot of people just complain about turkey. And 
I, I feel like turkey just gets like a really bad rap. <laughs> my mom makes a really, really good kind of like Peruvian style turkey that is so good and so flavorful. I think she marinates it for like the week leading up to that Thursday. And it's always like the star of the show as it should be. And I kind of have like my own tradition where every Thanksgiving I make a um, turkey foe like the next day. It's usually like super like cold and chilly, like on that Friday after Thanksgiving. Um, So I absolutely love turkey for more reasons than Thanksgiving. I like it for the day after too. And then also like, of course, all of the like leftover sandwiches and things that you can make with turkey, but like turkey's actually my favorite. I mean, my mouth actually watered when you said Peruvian turkey. Like, I was like, I'm now hungry for that. Um, oh, and turkey foe, like, gonna need to get that recipe. I definitely will send it over. ASAP. ASAP. Well, and, and to share, my favorite is dressing. My mom makes this cornbread stuffing that, like, is incredible. It's like cornbread and white bread. And it just, it, there's, I'll, I'll share the recipe if you're curious. Oh my gosh, that sounds so <laughs> good. Yeah, and, and you need it with turkey. So I would love to get that recipe. I think that sets up this conversation <laughs> perfectly. So let's set the foundation. In the pre-show, I was able to share with the listeners your background. So you are someone seeking to leave this country a better place through public service. You're currently serving on Capitol Hill in an official capacity, but in the past, you've been on the political side, so getting someone elected to Congress. You know, How did that spark of public service really start for you? So I was thinking about this question a lot because I think that at first, when I looked at this question, it kind of made me think, okay, when I was like looking for a job, is that one? Um, but I think that that actually started a lot earlier than that. Um, so both of my parents are kind of activists, I would say, like in their own right. My dad is a photojournalist. He worked for the Baltimore Sun. You know, I grew up kind of right outside of Baltimore. He worked for the Baltimore Sun for a long time and, um, and, recently has been doing kind of like some freelance work for like NBC and Washington Post and tons of other publications. But he really used his camera to sort of tell stories um, about, you know, less vulnerable people. Um, and his images were always, you know, really moving. And, you know, one of his photographs is actually in the African-American Smithsonian now. And he's really just seen as kind of somebody who uses camera as a tool for activism. And so when I was a young child, you know, me and my dad would just have really complex conversations about, you know, some of the issues that he was tackling at work. And it really forced myself to think really critically um, about, you know, deeply rooted systemic issues that our country is facing at a pretty like early age. And then my mom, on the other hand, is in a completely different world. She is actually a yoga teacher and she really has dedicated her life to wellness. And I would say both physically, emotionally, spiritually, while my dad was kind of the one who like gave all of us a reality check, my mom was kind of the person who taught us how to use yoga and wellness to kind of heal ourselves. Um, and so that was kind of how I was really brought up in the world. And when I got to college, 
that's when I think I really kind of came into myself as we all do in college. Um, but I think that's when I started to like seriously consider um, getting into public service and kind of getting into politics and using that as a tool for activism. Um, so when I was maybe like a sophomore or junior in college, that was actually when the really original kind of Black Lives Matter movement really kicked off. And, you know, as like a young college student, I was really just grappling with how I could use my time in school and how I could use my time to kind of set me up for my life to really put me in a position to really leave this country better off. And so I got really involved as a student. I ended up becoming, you know, like the president of this like advocacy organization. And I like sat on our university president's diversity and inclusion board and really just dedicated a lot of the classes that I took, you know, my academic study to advocating for minorities and um, really just immerse myself in what tools I needed to be a better advocate for for the less vulnerable and for myself and for my family and for, for the people that I care about. And so, you know, I think moving to DC, like post-college just made so much sense for me. And, you know, particularly working on um, the health side, I, I just really love working on the health side because I think it's just more representative of our country. Um, I think it's a little bit kind of scrappier and wilder. And I think the that good, the bad, like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think that that's just kind of the real world, you know, and um, not to say anything bad about the Senate, but I think that, you know, particularly I've always been really kind of interested in the House side, just because, you know, they are representatives, U.S. House of Representatives. And so, so, so I think that moving to D.C. kind of just made a lot of sense for me. Your answer was just really beautiful because I feel like you took a lot of time and I know this about you as a friend, like you're very thoughtful and like you thought about your experiences and it sounds like from an early age, you had a really strong understanding of the good and the bad. Like there is out there and like coming from a place of like understanding, it's like there is a lot out there that isn't good that needs to be changed. And there's also a lot of good and like from your inside out, from that centered place that your mom was really helping you nurture. And it sounds like you kind of took those lessons along the way. And you're like, what am I good at? And you realize this is what I'm passionate about. And I think so often it's hard to do that work, that line that you did along the way of like, okay, this is kind of where it all kind of strings together. So I hope that listeners take a moment to kind of think about their story in that same way of like, you know, how did this you know, maybe a hobby or their career or, or a friendship. I think that was a really, really awesome way. And thank you for sharing that and that I learned just so much about you from that one question. You know, I think you talk about your experience being on the house side. So for those who are not, you know, in politics every single day, like the two of us, uh, the House of Representatives are elected every two years. It's a very short cycle versus a senator that have six years. So a little bit longer of a runway. Um, what has it been like to be kind of in that? It feels like you're constantly kind of on a rat race. Um, what has your journey in DC been like? Yeah. So, you know, I'm only just about six years in and it's definitely been a really <laughs> wild ride. You know, I think that, you know, DC, Capitol Hill, kind of whatever you want to say it, it it's, it really 
is just such an incredible place to live and work. It's really an incredible city. And, you know, they, you know, like just how they say it's kind of one of those, you know, it's all about who, you know, like type cities. And I think that that actually has worked really well for me because it's really forced me to kind of get out there and make some really meaningful connections with people. Um, and so, like you said, like on the house side, um, there are elections every two years. And so kind of every two years, we're kind of going through this like new cycle of like looking for jobs, or even if you're at a job, new people coming in. And so you're just kind of like constantly connecting with people and kind of through that, through the various jobs that I've had, through the various people that I've met, I've just created some really meaningful friendships with people. Um, I definitely can say that I have true lifelong friends in DC, some of which don't even live in DC anymore, but I still keep in touch with them and I still visit them. And um, I know that I will for many years to come. And I think that what's really special about my time in DC is that every opportunity that I have gotten is because somebody helped me, you know, like nothing is really just done completely by yourself in the city. Like I know Catherine, like you can definitely attest to this. Like, I think that once that really clicks with you, it's like, okay, like I get it. And that's something that I really try to share with other people too. It's that you really just can't do it alone. Like it really does take a village. And I think that that's actually one of the more beautiful things about, you know, living and working in a town like this is that I've just had so much support and I've had so much help kind of along the way. And I've also just learned so much more about, you know, my career and kind of the prospects of my career. And I think probably the best part about, you know, me going through this journey is that I have so many mentors that has that have kind of sat me down, you know, given me tough advice, given me kind of like great advice. And a lot of those people are also black women too. And, you know, as a black woman myself, it's just been really amazing to have so many other black women to really look up to and just have, you know, kind of serve as a really great example for me. And a lot of them are just doing so many incredible things with their careers and for their communities and for their country. And it's definitely had a huge impact on how I view, you know, and value myself. And so um, I think that all of those things have kind of been like a culmination of just how great my time has been working here. There's definitely been kind of stressful times and bad times, but I would say that the community here um, has been definitely the biggest blessing in my life. Well, there's a couple of things that I want to kind of delve into a little bit more. You talk about getting outside of the box. I think that in DC, it can be really overwhelming. And I think this is true. Like when you're starting out your career, it's like very overwhelming to know how to network and how to like make friends and how to, who do you need to look out for? And can you talk a little bit more about how maybe you got out of your own head to like step into yourself or experiences you had, you're like, okay, I realize now this is why it's important to kind of get outside of my own box. Yeah, it's such an interesting question. You know, I don't know if there's ever just kind of one experience that has kind of taught me the most or 
one big failure that was kind of like my big life lesson or anything yeah. like that. I almost think it's been like a culmination of like experiences that have kind of taught me something or have kind of given me that like aha moment, you know? And I think, you know, we were just talking about DC being kind of the city based off of relationships. And I think that throughout the time that I've also worked in DC, I've realized how important it is to kind of treat people with respect um, and to be kind and to like, you know, work hard and to really just make a great impression on people. Um, you know, people have much longer memories than we think that they do. Oh, and yeah. um, I think it's just like really important to take a lot of pride and care in your reputation and kind of how you treat people, you know, like in short, just kind of like put out in the world what you want to receive. There's been like so many times where, you know, I've been, and I think this kind of goes back to really the center of your question where, you know, there's been times where there'll be like a situation and somehow that like problem or conflict or something that was trying to be solved somehow gets tied back to some small, small, small thing that happened like years ago or something. And I know that you have definitely seen. Oh yeah. (laughs) And like, it's like, oh, wait, you remember that? Or, oh, wait, that person did that like years yeah. and years ago. Or that person was actually a really mean person or terrible boss. Or they actually came in and like really did a bad job at something and, you know, was really unapologetic about it or whatever. And so, you know, no matter who it is and no matter what the situation is, it's just be careful and have pride and kind of your reputation wherever you are. And that could be you with, you know, a bunch of like students and interns. It could be, you know, you with a group of kind of high level executives and members of Congress um, or whatever it may be, but just kind of have a lot of pride and care and kind of what you're projecting out into the world, because it always is somehow like kind of feeding back in some sort of way. And so I, I hope that answers your question. Like there really is a culmination of like all of these experiences that have kind of like taught me one big thing. So it sounds, and correct me if this isn't kind of, but kind of the way I'm hearing it is it's a respect for yourself and how you show up. And it's a respect for others because I think to your point, you never know when that intern is going to be in a position that you're going to be working with, or you never know when that person that like, I think in, and I think this is like all around the world when people think that they don't, I think this is a bad thing about society is that people don't think someone's useful. They treat them not great. And I think it's your lesson is like, to get outside of your box, just respect yourself and be yourself and respect others because it's going to pay dividends. And, and I think just value everybody. You yes. Know, your title, your salary, your address, um, your creed, your gender, like, you know, all of that should be valued. And, yes. um, and age is like a big thing too. Um, you know, you are bringing, everybody is bringing something really special into society um, and into your world. And so look at that stuff first. Yes. Yeah. No, I think that's amazing. And I think that another thing I'd love to talk on is the importance of mentorship. And you've talked about like kind of having mentors in your life that have shined lights on strengths that you have and things that you've done. 
how now have you applied this to being mentor a mentor to other people? Because I think that that's, we get, we have amazing mentors, but I think being a mentor ourselves is sometimes hard. Do you have any tips on that? Yeah, I like still don't even like view myself as like, sometimes like I'm like, am, me, me, am I like, a mentor? I, I, um, yes, you are. I'm going to say it again for those um, in the back. You're amazing. I, it's, it's really funny because I feel like my, you know, like I said, like since, you know, college and kind of moving through my, throughout my career, I really, really lean on my mentors. And I mean, like, I probably need to leave them alone and let them live like their lives. You know, I really lean on them. And I think that's something that I take with me, you know, as I am kind of growing into my own, you know, mentorship and kind of my own, you know, journey to becoming a good mentor is that I kind of just have to remember that people are really like leaning into me the same way that I'm leaning into like my mentors too. And, you know, take the time just as much as I am so like desperate for my mentor's time and energy. Um, I have to give the same thing back to other people um, because all of my mentors that have kind of taken the time after a super long day or agreed to meeting on a Saturday morning with me or whatever has made such a big difference in decisions that I've made, you know, the steps that I've taken in my career. And so just all of those small little things and the care and effort that my mentors have put into me is something that I have really tried to, you know, give back to, to the people that I'm mentoring as well. And to also just be completely honest too. Yeah. I have had like some conversations with some mentors where I like wanted to cry. Like, yes. Anything, because they were giving me like the cold heart. Brutal. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. And that's something that, you know, you have to just be, it's like tough love, you know, yeah. so that's something I really want to make sure that I'm giving back to Men- mentorship is it's a complicated, it's complicated relationship. And, you know, it's, it's definitely something that I'm still growing in. And like I said, I'm still kind of like, am I a mentor? But you are. I do think of myself kind of as a mentor. I, I really do think I get a lot of those kind of skill sets and assets from the people who have mentored me. And and I and I think a big part of that is um, taking the time and care and and, yeah. and and I think it's like building on that respect piece. You you bring that in. It's about building the community. You bring that in. And I think that I know we delved in a, a lot deeper than we probably expected on that point, but I think it's so important and such a good kind of um, foundation for what we're going to talk about now. And, you know, we met this year and we realized that we both had done fundraising um, and we were on opposite sides of the aisle, but that never really kind of colored the way we interacted with each other. And I think in a world where so often the labels, I think it, to your point, we need to value who people are and their differences. But I think it's the valuing of the differences and not letting that be the stop, letting that be the foundation to building something beautiful is like been really cool. And I've, you are someone that creates bridges. I, I noticed it immediately when I met you. So how have you sought understanding with others in a time that I feel like is, and especially in DC, that is so fraught with Republicans, Democrats, differences. How have you sought to 
bring an understanding to people. Yeah, I know. It worries me just kind of how polarized we are right now. But, you know, I think that I really, I I just think that it's really important to view people as just other humans in this world, trying to make it work, trying to figure it out, just like you are, you know, they are people who were born into their lives, they were raised by their own caretakers, they went to whatever school that they went to, and they were simply shaped by their own personal experiences. And, you know, it's really important to just have empathy for that. And that we're all sort of bringing in our own personal experiences into how we view the world. You know, I was recently listening to um, this podcast the other day. Um, If your listeners haven't checked this out, it's really good. It's called The Argument on the New York Times um, by Jane Coaston. I absolutely love Jane Coaston. um, But on her podcast, The Argument, um, it was kind of like a pre-Thanksgiving, like get ready to like argue with your aunts and uncles, like sort of thing. And it was kind of like a tip on how to find kind of common ground and the person that they had on the show was kind of just like discussing this exercise um, because he gets in like, gets kind of just like a lot of heat mail and like just gets into like super heated debates, like from kind of strangers, like on the internet and stuff. And he was (laughs) saying that, um, and I thought that this was just like a really interesting exercise that he does, but sometimes he'll kind of like look at their Facebook page and just kind of like look through their photos and stuff like that and kind of just create this kind of backstory a little bit and kind of start to view them as not an evil person and to kind of just see them as just another human being who is coming from their own kind of world and point of view. That is much different than yours, but there's more to this person than a kind of comment that they made. And he was kind of sharing that it really centers him and kind of helps to, you know, have a little bit better grounding on um, which to kind of start a conversation on. And that's not an exercise that I'm saying like everybody needs to do, but I just thought that that was really interesting because it kind of just allowed the person kind of going to a conversation or going to a situation with somebody who might be kind of on the other side of the aisle or have different like points of view than them to kind of see them as more than just somebody who has that point of view. You know, there's so much more to what other people are bringing to the table. And they also are coming to that point of view for their own reasoning too, just like we are. And so I, I, I do think that that is, you know, something to kind of start with. Yeah. Um, It's like humanizing people. I think that so often we allow the labels to like color our perspective and we're like, well, they're all going to be X or they're all going to be Y. And so it sounds like, and I think that's a really unique way to be like, these are people that have had experiences and maybe they've had this and that's why they feel strongly about this, this policy or another policy. Another way I've like tried to do this. And (laughs) I don't know if you get this, but Whenever someone learns that I'm from DC, they're like, let's talk about politics. I'm like, there's so much more to life. <laughs> so that I think that that's like another really big thing. So actually, one of the other things I was thinking about when we're kind of getting ready for this um, podcast episode is that it's also possible and 
totally okay to just not talk about politics. Yes. <laughs> just don't talk about it at all. Like you can actually just get together with a group of girlfriends and talk about boys and uh-huh. talk about gossip and makeup and you know what sales are, what Black Friday sales, what you jade get. roller you're trying and, to get. <laughs> exactly. And just kind of get back to the basics, yeah. you know, and that's totally okay. And, um, actually, you know, my, when my first year in college, um, I had two roommates who were on the other side of the aisle than me. And I actually didn't even realize that until much later on in my friendship with them, because we just never talked about politics. It wasn't actually until there was like a presidential election that it came up. Yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously it didn't like ruin our friendship or anything like that. I still love those two girls today to death. But I think that we were able to actually cultivate such a strong relationship with each other and friendship, loving friendship. You know, I consider them my sisters at this point um, because we that wasn't how we started. We didn't yeah. start with, you know, politics. It was kind of just something that we had realized about each other like throughout the day. And it was kind of like, oh yeah, that kind of makes sense now. Like, you know what I mean? Um, but you know, it's okay to just kind of have relationships with people that have nothing to do with your politics. And it just only has to do with just who that other person is. Yeah. You know? And the other thing I just want to say kind of on this topic is that another thing that I try to do when kind of, you know, creating bridges and, you know, making connections with people who might have different points of view than me is thinking about kind of what we do have in common, even if it's something really small. And so like with me and you, we actually had started our careers off like very similarly. We like literally had (laughs) that same kind of like trajectories. Um, And so we could actually just kind of have like a great back and forth and like compare experiences about what it was like as like a fundraiser and kind of what it was like kind of dealing with like this donor or like whatever <laughs> and kind of dealing with like working at party committees and stuff like that. Even if that, that even if they were kind yeah. of had different viewpoints, that was still like a common experience that we had. And even if it's something kind of really small, maybe you grew up kind of in the same state or like went to the same college or have the same car and can kind of share like why that car was weird or had problems all the time or like whatever it might be. There's, there are kind of, there are more things in common that we have and have differences Yes. in terms of our differences. You know, what are at the core of those differences? You know, maybe we disagree on what the solution is to a problem but we might agree on what that problem actually is. Um, And I think that, you know, that is actually a much more productive conversation to start with to kind of set the parameters around because you're actually discussing what a problem is. Um, Of course, we're coming from different points of view in terms of solution. And that's just kind of, you know, the colors of our, that's kind of what colors our lives, but let's kind of start with what that problem is. Um, and I think that that's kind of a better way to kind of shape, um, you know, debates and conversations around kind of how to solve our country's problems. A lot of the times we actually do agree that something is wrong. Um, and 
our idea of how to fix it is just much different. I mean, I couldn't have said it any better. And I think the reason I started asking the question of and talking about the bridges is that I think that so often right now we're allowing the differences to shape the debate versus, okay, we agree there's a problem. How can we come to a, a compromise or a solution that, and I just think that that's, I think it's, yes, it's in politics, but I also think that shows up in a daily basis. I mean, I think that we've seen it from trigger warning 2016 on, like politics has now infiltrated, I think, how people view one another in a way that I think is so negative. And it's like, yes, I love politics. I think politics is a way to create getting people into public service and creating good policy but I don't think that it should be the only way on which someone hinges the hope of this country. I think that being kind to one another on a daily basis and holding that door open for someone or, you know, when someone's having a bad day, listening to them, like, I think we got to build those bridges so that we humanize each other and have a common understanding because when we label each other and put each other in corners, we're not going to, we're not going to make this country better. We're not going to make the society better. And there's a lot that needs to be changed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, our country is facing some of the most, and I think in our lifetimes, like some of the most catastrophic challenges that it's faced. And yeah, there's like really only one way you need both. You need the whole country to come together to do it. You, not half the country can do it together. Yeah. You know? And and I, I definitely think that we have seen that with the pandemic, you know, yeah. everybody. Um, and so, yeah, I, I do, you know, I do have a lot of optimism that we will kind of get there. I think that things are just really scary and really heated right now. Um, but I do think that there are more people kind of with our point of view on this topic than not. I yeah. do believe that. Um, and that's just because I see them in my own day to day and I live in the most political city maybe <laughs> in the world, um, you know, and I'm seeing that. Um, and so I do have kind of hope that, you know, we will get there. Yeah. And I think this is also, I want to say, this is not a knock on people that are in politics because I think that they are in a job, they're in a tough spot, I think. Um, but I just... We just hope that the the debate will level up and be a little bit kinder. <laughs> so, you know, I want to talk a little bit about some advice you may have for the listeners as we kind of wrap this up. And I think you talked about it earlier that there wasn't one thing that really like has, you know, and I, I think this is so true. There's not one thing that really sets up our trajectory. It's a collection of experiences along the way. What for you is something you'd love to let people think about and kind of ruminate as they go into their next week? Yeah, um, I think that probably my biggest piece of advice would be to just not take yourself so seriously and just kind of have more fun, like seriously let it go. And I know that I need to take my own advice. I just can get so into my head about some of kind of the smallest little things. Um but I think that it's really, really important to just not be so hard on yourself and to just be really gentle with yourself and um, kind of going back to, you know, some of what my own experiences, kind of how my own upbringing, but 
Um, you know, I think wellness and mental health were two things that my mom like really instilled in me and, you know, still does. And um, I think that that's really important. I think that just kind of to even like tie this conversation up with a bow, a lot of what we have talked about has kind of been about how we treat other people um, and how we kind of treat ourselves. And so one big piece of that is to just not take yourself so seriously, take care of yourself, um, kind of let it go. Something bad happens, let it go. You're literally going to have another try again at it tomorrow. Um, Get some good sleep, you know, eat some good food and kind of just live, you know, Um, really just don't take yourself so seriously and just have more fun. I mean, I couldn't said it, have said it any better. I mean, from your experiences to why you got into public service to um, coming with empathy and respect for people, may that be yourself or for others. There are so many lessons in today's conversation, and I'm just grateful for your friendship, and I'm grateful for you sharing your good news today. So I think with that, we are done. Thanks so much, Catherine. That conversation really brightened my day. I think so often we look for similarities in friends and want no differences, no difference of opinions. But I offer up this conversation as a counterpoint to that, especially during the holidays when I think a lot of us will have family members or friends maybe share different opinions. There is a lot Sierra and I probably have differences on, but I think the ability to listen fully and to have conversations from the heart have strengthened us. I am grateful for her example, and I hope these lessons ring true for you as well. Thanks again for listening. If you liked, please share, subscribe, rate, and review, and join us next week for another episode of the Your Good News Podcast.